1: Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2022. 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I went to New York recently to see my sister, Brett. We wound up talking about dating and
0: geography. Okay, I I have a few theories on this. Import. You gotta import. That's what you do. If I was gonna import now, Colorado. You go to Colorado, first of all, those bitches are high. Second of all, they're all of beards. Third, flannels. Fourth, What? Do
1: this in a way that we can
0: actually use You just stopped me when I was on a roll.
1: From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. My sister, Brett, who you might remember from season one of the podcast, met her husband at this holiday market in New York City years ago. Now, he wasn't living there at the time. He lived a couple of hours away in the Hudson Valley. He just happened to be in town. One thing leads to another. He visits, they fall in love, and then he moves to the city to be with her. This Man Relocates for Love tale is why Brett has developed a unique theory on dating and geography. For anyone having a hard time meeting someone in the city or town where they live in, Brett's advice is this. Look for someone you can import, like a fine soft French cheese, for real, Brett actually believes that if her husband had been a true New Yorker, like a New York City New Yorker, he wouldn't have been so open to conversation when they met. He would
0: have been distracted by other women, maybe. They just probably wouldn't have gotten together. If you are a resident of New York City, of the five boroughs, you stay in New York City. You import from outside of New York City. You meet the guy outside of New York City, and then you, you, know, and you don't even need to sell it all that much. It's, it sells itself, right? Then they live here, but... But they retain their outside of New York value system, and they remain hopelessly devoted, and you have the best guy who's salt of the earth from somewhere else, and you still live here. So many of us move here because of our career. And so we're kind of in it for ourselves, right? So this town is just filled with selfish a-holes.
1: need to say here that as much as my sister is the person I turn to for advice and as much as I truly believe she gave excellent counsel in the first season of this podcast, I'm not sold on her import theory. I mean, yes, it worked for her, but I'm not sure how realistic or practical it is for anyone else. But she does raise a point about where people live that feels important to me. In my advice column and in life, I get many questions about location My single Boston friends are constantly wondering whether they'd fare better in New York with more options, or maybe in a much smaller town, maybe someplace in the Midwest where people are nicer, someplace with, like, people who play hockey and drink milk. Meanwhile, my New York City friends imagine that dating anywhere else would be easier. And according to Brett, they may be right. She believes New York City is the worst place for straight single women, no matter who they are or what they look like. I mean, you've lived in D.C., you've lived in New York. You have a bunch of friends who are single and have lived many places. Is New York the answer for people who are like, it would be
0: easier if there were just like a zillion people and I was in New York? No, no, hell no. This is what I think. It's like a goddamn candy store for men. If you are just a normal girl doing a normal thing with your normal life and you are living here and you are single, you have to know that you have to have a thick, Skin, because I just feel like guys are like, next, 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 right? Sometimes I do feel like moving somewhere else
1: might instantly, magically improve my dating life. Over the holidays, I saw my best friend in St. Louis, and we were at this super homey restaurant eating barbecue. There were so many lovely people there, and yes, some of them had very good beards. People seemed to be engaging with each other, and they weren't glued to their phones. And I was suddenly very sure that if I lived in St. Louis... I would have an amazing boyfriend. Of course, maybe I was just in vacation la-la land. Maybe people are like that on the East Coast too, but I'm moving too fast to notice them. All of these theories do make me wonder, how does where you live affect your ability to meet someone? So I called up Zachary Zane. He's a writer, speaker, and bisexual activist who talks a lot about non-monogamy and sex positivity. He's someone who's lived and dated in multiple zip codes. He grew up in Los Angeles, went to Vassar, and then lived in Boston for a few years. He now lives in New York City, and yeah, he's got some dating war stories.
2: I had one time I I stopped off at the date, and I got there, and I was super excited, and she just goes, "Oh Jesus!" were the first words out of her mouth. And I just and I just wanted to be like, what?
1: I look like my photos, like. I'm a good look at, like, what what did I do that turned you off? Zachary shares some of Brett's opinions about New York City. Since moving there, he's noticed that it can be hard for people to find commitment. Maybe not because they're all assholes, but just because there's so many options.
2: You think it would be easier, but you end up looking for the next best thing. Looking around the bar to see who else is there. You never want to feel like you're settling, and I feel like that's... That's one of the fears of people in New York. So because of that, they keep dating and dating, looking for more people and looking for the next person as opposed to actually giving the person sitting in front of them a real try. I've definitely had this happen to me where I'm excited about someone, but then I go out to a party or an event and I meet someone else and I kind of forget the guy that I'm already excited about.
1: But here's the thing. He won't say it's impossible to find a partner in New York City. He won't say that about any city. That's something he learned when he lived in Boston.
2: I just thought it was pretty boring and heteronormative. And the way that people approach relationships are very traditional and conservative. And that was the vibe that I got from Boston. That's what I thought about Boston prior to moving there. And yeah, for the most part, that was true. But you know, still, I was able to find this community, which was really unexpected. I was able to find my boyfriend there. And we were polyamorous. And we found that space in Boston. It was the best relationship I've ever been in. And we broke up very amiably, partly just because I wanted to move to New York for work.
1: His assumptions about Boston were wrong. He did find the love life he wanted here. Do you think moving out of a town, a city, is a viable, practical solution, assuming the money is there, for someone who feels like they can't meet anyone where they are? When is moving a good thing to do based on love life?
2: You are single, having trouble dating, and then you want to move to a new city because you think it would be easier for love. I do not think that's the right approach. I think the right approach is I want to move to New York because of the opportunities it will have, because of the nightlife, because of the museum, whatever it is. Or I want to move to Portland, Oregon, because I like the outdoors. I like the people there. They're very, whatever, granola, crunchy. I'm just kind of listing stereotypes of people from Portland, Oregon. I really don't know. Go looking for the place that you think you'd have the easiest time making friends. And I bet you that will also be the um, place where you have the easiest time finding love.
1: I want to believe Zachary that there's a community for people anywhere if you look hard enough. But I don't know. I mean, depending on who you are, surely not all cities could give you the best chance of dating. I wanted to look at some data. That's how I found Jonathan Soma, who teaches data journalism at Columbia. Jonathan made a singles map of the U.S., showing how many single men and women between the ages of 18 and 64 live in various cities. The numbers are a few years old now, but the map shows a lot. Like, in Bakersfield, California, for instance, there's a surplus of single men. In Memphis, however, there's a surplus of single women. News you can use. The map has its flaws, though. It's completely binary in terms of how it refers to gender, and it says nothing about who's gay, straight, or otherwise. But I can't say the map is entirely bogus. Here's what I learned from it. When I was in my 20s, all of my single straight women friends would complain about how there were no men to be found in Boston. My gay male friends felt the same way. Everyone was asking, where are all of the men? But I look at Jonathan's map, and I realized they were actually here all along. The map shows that in almost all U.S. cities, including Boston, there are more single men in their 20s and 30s than women. Of course, I should note here that numbers are just numbers. Even if the pool of potential single mates seems high, doesn't mean you want to date any of those people. To paraphrase a friend, Sometimes the odds are very good, but those goods are very odd. We'll be back after the break.
3: If I get to date a white guy it's worth all the
1: way.
3: It's so hard to date around in Boston
1: This is a music video made by playwright and screenwriter Obehi Janus. Right now, Obehi is writing on a show you might have heard of called Castle Rock, which is based on Stephen King's novels. Castle Rock is the fictional town where many of his creepy stories are set. Personally, I'd love to know what the dating scene is like there. Anyway, Obehi grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts. It's a city of beautiful old textile mills. It's also the birthplace of Jack Kerouac. She went to college at Georgetown and then moved back to the Boston area where she lived for eight years. If you can't already tell, the music video is a spoof on the Boys to Men song, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday. Obehi put it out in 2018. She wanted to capture in song how hard it had been to date in Boston. It's so hard to date around
3: in Boston. The parody really came out of meeting people, but nothing sticking. I talked about not finding, like, a bougie black dude from Harvard to date. Talking about, like, if I'm dating a white dude, that'd be worth it. Like, I mean, I said things that were real because it actually is completely based on my experience.
1: One thing she experienced in Boston was a lot of frustrating ambiguity.
3: You're hanging out with a guy and you don't know if it's a date. Like, you don't know if it's a date. So now I'm very familiar with what I call fake dates Where, like, we're just friendly. You know, we like each other's company. But you man have made no intention of being like, I want to see where this goes, but we will continue to hang out. But like, not seriously. I don't want to cry over boys, but I cried over a lot of boys in Boston.
1: Obagi talks about those articles that say that on dating apps, Black women and Asian men often fare the worst She says she felt that discrimination in Boston, and so did her Black friends.
3: I would often get, like, really fetishization
1: messages
3: from, like, random white dudes. But I don't think I ever had a solid online dating experience. It felt really demeaning and dumb.
1: But when Obehi really gets into her Boston dating history, it's clear she did manage to find some dates. But even then, she was kind of underwhelmed. It didn't feel just right in the way it needed to. You know that feeling when you're like, is this as good as it gets? She spent a lot of her dating energy thinking about why Boston wasn't working for her, like trying to diagnose the problem geographically.
3: I think diagnosing a city is your like week to week feeling of why you are alone, of why you are not married yet, of why you're not in a committed relationship. So you're trying to blame the city because I was trying to have like a reason, a black and white reason, for why things were happening to me.
1: But it wasn't so clear-cut. Some of this was about Boston. Some of it was also Abehi. As an artist, she knew she wanted to be in a place like New York or L.A. So when she was living in Boston, she already had one foot out the door. That mental state she was in made it hard to see connecting with someone as a real possibility.
3: So even throughout my 20s, I felt like all of my relationships were about well, this can't possibly last because you're not going to be here.
1: This reminds me of something Zachary Zane said. It's never that the grass is greener somewhere else just for dating. It's usually that the grass is greener for everything. Once he figured out where she was supposed to be, professionally and otherwise, dating wasn't easier exactly, but it didn't feel hopeless. She felt like she was in a better place mentally to meet people.
3: For me to be firm in my decision to move to Brooklyn was such a blessing because I was able to have my identity kind of lock into place. And that going forward excites me because I don't know what's going to happen. I actually have no idea. And I wouldn't say I'm less discouraged, but I have more clarity now. When I'm in Brooklyn, I'm like, I'm home. Like, I'm here. I don't know if it's home yet, but like, I feel in my element way more than I ever did in Boston. I feel sexier in New York. I feel more confident in New York. Yeah.
1: Obehi now splits her time between Brooklyn and Los Angeles, which doesn't make it easier to meet people. She's still sorting that out. But the dating she's been doing in New York feels more promising. She does think there are some things that are different about New York. Like she stopped having those fake dates
3: I think that the men are bolder. I like that the men are bolder. I like that they are clearer. When I'm with somebody, when I'm with a dude and hanging out with him when I'm on New York, I don't feel like it's a fake-a-date. I definitely feel like I'm hanging out with you. We are interested in each other physically, emotionally. Like, let's see what this is. The best first date of my life occurred like, in a coffee shop in East Village. And no, this guy and I are not dating. But the fact that, like, I had a good first date, and I remember leaving that first date, like, really proud of myself. Like, Obehi, you did that. Like, you had coffee, and it was good.
1: <laughs> when Obehi talks about New York like this, I have to say, she lights up a little. I don't know if she knows it, but she gets, like, glowy, like, in her eyes. And that is part of the answer to this question about dating and geography— And why my Boston friends, who love living where they do, probably have a far better shot of meeting a partner at home than in some alternative, wholly imagined universe in New York City or in L.A. Or in my case, St. Louis. Well, actually London, but that's not a fantasy I can even afford. It also might mean that my friends, who are so sick of dating in New York City, might actually just be getting sick of living in New York City. They no longer feel like their best selves there. I really love what Zachary said about choosing a place where you think you'd find friends but I might go a step further. Think of this as a TV show. In this show, you were the main character. You find your professional passion, host a party, see friends, and yes, find love. Where is this show set? Is it where you live now? Is it elsewhere? I think that's kind of your answer. Don't move just because you think it's easier to find love in some other place. Your job, if you're looking to meet someone, is to live where you can be the best, most fully realized version of yourself. That's where it might feel a little less like, is this as good as it gets? And more like, yeah, this is just right. This makes me think of Erin, the single woman I've been following on the show. Last episode, she was headed back to her hometown in New Hampshire to see her parents for a weekend. I started to imagine that when she was home, the grass would be figuratively greener, and perhaps literally greener, because it is New Hampshire. I imagine that when she was home, in her cute New England town, she'd meet some amazingly nice guy who, like, makes craft beer in his barn or something, and that they would fall in love. Maybe he moves to Boston— And it turns out my sister has a point about this whole importing thing. So I ask Erin to check out a local bar. Because in my mind, a small town might be a better place to find a date. Erin sent me this message from her parents' house where she was staying. This is my third attempt. My mom keeps on interrupting me. I'm an only child, so there's a lot of focus on me. Um, So, you know, as I think about my parents getting older, I always think about the fact that I'm single kind of looms larger because there's really no one there to support me if I have to support them. So that's been something that I've thought about a lot. But I'm thinking about my chore or my assignment for tomorrow night going to the town bar um, sort of to see what the scene is being now an out-of-towner. So I'm not super excited about it, but I'm trying to be open to it and I'll try to check in again um, tomorrow. But tomorrow came, and you know what? She didn't want to look for men at the local bar. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel like her. She called me when she got back to Boston. Erin told me that part of it was that she was still feeling down about those set-up dates that fell through Hi. last episode. I think I was sort of still, you know, moving past that and then to go home and be like, here I am in my single bed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, with it's, it was just hard. The thing is, New Hampshire just isn't home for her anymore.
0: Being at home, it's just, just it's it would have been just really foreign to me and not in, like a good way. So I was just like, I just need to sort of shut, shut off. Um, and so
1: that's sort of what I did. Um, I feel like this supports what Zachary and Obehi were talking about. Erin isn't at her best in New Hampshire, and I think she won't date her best there either. So I decide that a better next step for Erin is to be out in Boston, her city. She'll meet people like old school, at a bar, in person, She likes where she lives, so let's go get after it. And I want to take her out myself. So that's the new plan. An advice columnist, a single lady named Erin, and my friend Sarah walk into a bar with a microphone. Next time on Love Letters. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. The podcast is produced, edited, and engineered by Amy Padula. Audio mixing, sound design, and mastering by Ned Porter. Music by APM. Our executive producers are Scott Hellman and Janice Page. Special thanks to Linda Henry and Brian McGrory. Are you trying to meet someone new? Do you have a good dating story you want to share with us? Email us at loveletters at boston.com or tweet at us using the hashtag loveletterspodcast. On the next episode, I explore dating fatigue, that feeling that you're so tired, so fed up with bad dates, you just wonder if you can keep going. Be sure to subscribe to Love Letters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, or wherever you listen. And if you like the show, please, please, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. And as they say in The Hunger Games, may the odds be ever in your favor.